created live on Fireside. This is Juliette Hahn. In this episode, I interview Marcella Mollen Williams. She is co-founder of Legacy Builder Group. You can find Marcella on the web. You can go to LegacyBuilderGroup.com. You can also go to her personal website, MarcellaWilliams.com. She is on IG, Marcella M. Williams. And you can find her on LinkedIn. Um, you can find her really anywhere at Marcella Williams if you look it up. Mollen is M-O-L-L-O-N. We had such a great conversation. We could have went on and on and on. You guys know I love bringing stories. So Marcella is a behavioral financer, uh, financial advisor, behavioral financial advisor. She's a certified mindset and flexibility coach. And she combined all of her passions into Legacy Builder Group, which really talks um, and helps people with their finances, but brings it in from a mindset and values base. It is really cool. And when I tell you, I love this conversation. Her parents came from Trinidad and Tobago. So one of the things that she said that really stood out to me is when she was in her house, it was this whole other world. When she walked out of her house, it was this other world. And she became really fascinated with how people worked and wanted to go into kind of the psychology um, times. But coming from immigrant parents, her parents were like, no, we want you to study business. So she in later in life with Legacy Builder Group combined both. Legacy Builder Group was also a sponsor at the Super Bowl event at um, YNS Live with NFL Thread. She was uh, the podcast sponsor, the company was, which was really great. So we were able to have her um, really shouted out there. She wasn't able to make the event. So we were fortunate enough to be able to get her interview here today. So you guys, you're going to love this. Don't forget to check out Marcella on all of the... Um, all of the socials, Marcella Mollen, M-O-L-L-O-N Williams and Legacy Builder Group. Um, again, you guys don't want to miss this. I'm so excited to bring you someone that has followed a passion. Welcome Marcella Mollen Williams with Legacy Builder Group. Hello, Julia. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm really excited. The thing that's exciting is that you guys were the sponsor for the podcast at our Super Bowl event, and you weren't able to make it to the event. So I said to you, we got to hear your story because I hear that you have a really great story of how you founded the company. Um, and you're a beha behavioral financial advisor. You're also a certified mindset and flexibility coach, which we're going to get all into this one. I know you're a speaker. You do many, many different things. You're inspiring so many. People can find you on your Instagram, which is Marcella Williams. They can also find you on your website, MarcellaWilliams.com. They can find you on uh, LinkedIn, and that's Marcella Molland Williams, and Molland is M-O-L-L-O-N. And Twitter, Facebook, again, it's your name. Is there anywhere else that you want to direct people? Uh, yeah, yeah there, there was a lot there, LegacyBuilderGroup.com. And that's right. And legacy, of course, <laughs> I was going to put that in the beginning. And then of course, I forgot that right here. Um, so Marcella, if you can just, I, what I love to do for my listeners is kind of just take them through a little bit of your background, you know, where you grew up, and then we'll really get into the story of, you know, your pivots throughout life. Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up, um, I had this I always felt like I had this dual life. Um, I grew up in a home with Caribbean parents. Both of my parents are immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago. I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. So, and then I came to this country when I was very young. So, um, and then got my citizenship when I was in college. But throughout life, it was like I lived and I grew up in Maryland. So in um, Prince George's County, Maryland. And 
I was like, I lived in Trinidad in my house. And then I walked out the door and I was in America. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I think going to school and one of the things I remember so clearly is that how much I loved culture, culture. I lived in a very diverse community, diverse school, went to a diverse church. And I grew to love culture so much. And at a young age, I so appreciated the things that made me different. Whereas I think a lot of kids struggle with, oh, I want to be like everyone else. I so appreciated all that, all the cultures that were in me. And um, it, it made me different. And I liked that. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's funny. It's, it's, I love that you said that because there is, right? Certain people want to kind of stay and beat to their own drum. They want to not um, have a different name where people are like, wait, what is that? And um, when you brought that up, it's really funny because my name is Juliet and there was not one other Juliet. And I loved that. I was born on my birthday's Christmas. And so people would be like, oh, that's so unique. That's so unique. Now, on the flip, I am dyslexic. So school was really tough for me. And so there was parts of me that I loved to stand out, but then there was the parts that I didn't want to get called on. So how do you kind of mesh into that? So I love that you had this really big culture in your house and that you kind of loved and, and embraced it. Now, do you think that came from the way your parents raised you or do you think that was kind of something innate in you? Most definitely the way my parents raised me. Um, and there was a part of it that was innate with me because I was definitely a different kind of kid um, that stood out throughout <laughs> my life. It was very different. <laughs> um, but my parents had so much pride in um, their, not only their country, but in their family the rich family and all the love that came. I mean, my mother was one of 13 kids. So I have a huge family. I have 40. I stopped counting at 40 first cousins. I just stopped counting. <laughs> uh, but I just had this huge family. And so there was so much in the food and the music and it was constantly played and ate in our home. And so I think my parents' love for culture and other cultures definitely was instilled in me. I love that. I love that. So when you decided to go to university, where, you know, kind of what, where was that path? Where was that pivot? I went um, to a local university and it was very interesting. Um, I went to um, Bowie State University and that was very different for me. Um, going Bowie State is actually a historical black university. And that was the first time I was really introduced to a, a culture that I look like and people actually thought I was a part of, but I was adopted into when I got my citizenship um, in college. And I learned so much there. And again, for my love for culture, it really grew even in that environment. And it was, again, it was all these things that were different about me. Now, one thing I have to make mention and is that as a child, I was always, and still to this day, I was a people watcher. I watch people. I love watching people. I've been obsessed with behavior my entire life. And basically, what is it that makes people do the things they do? You know, I, I, I grew up, I was a church girl, grew up in youth group, you know, all those things. And I would just watch the dynamics of, you know, especially when people would go through things, whether it's death, infertility, infertility, um, miscarriages, and just watch how the traumas uh, people went through and how they would respond to it, how it matched what they said they believed or didn't believe. I was uh, fascinated with cognitive dissonance. 
Um, so all these things were the type of things I was thinking about as a young kid into adulthood. And I wanted to go to college for psychology. Like I was interested in that. Um, my parents ran a business and it was like many, um, kids of immigrant parents. It's kind of like, I want to go to school for this. No, you're going to school for that, <laughs> for business. Right. So they wanted me to go to school for business. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to school for psychology. I like business. So I did business and finance and made it work. But I always knew deep down inside, there was something in me, which I call when I look at other kids now, I say it's their superpower. There was something in me that other people weren't recognizing. And I remember the first time someone noticed it and there was a college professor. And it, it, I, I know because it's like that was the first time someone saw my superpower and acknowledged it. Yeah. And that's why I love children. And I always try to find a superpower in them. Well, and I mean, you're, you're speaking, obviously me being dyslexic and what, um, school being really, really tough for me. My dad's dyslexic. My sister's dyslexic. I have an older son, um, that is dyslexic. So it runs really deep in our family. And we knew pretty early. We knew that I struggled back then. It wasn't a dyslexic, you know, where I grew up. It was like, you have a, a reading disorder, you know, you, you, you learn different. Um, but it wasn't kind of until I was older, even though my mom always knew I struggled, really helped and gave me that support. Uh, and I talk about this on my podcast a lot. I talk about it actually with my clients a lot because stories really connect us. And when we look at our strengths, but then we also look at our weaknesses. And the thing that's really interesting is I am, um, I, my superpower is reading and talking to people and pulling out pieces of their story and, and getting into like finding the golds that they don't realize that gold is in their story, but those little pieces that connect because from a very early age, I was, you know, um, compensating for my weaknesses you know, and my weaknesses were reading and writing, except my strengths were reading people and connecting with people. So I used to connect with my teachers and figure out how I could get out of doing a lot of things is really what I was doing. <laughs> so you could look at it as a negative or you can look at it. That's really kind of what built me to where I am. And I remember I've always been a storyteller. I was always really good at communicating, but I honed that in when I was early, early young kid because I realized that's how I connected with people. That's how I could have people kind of like me and do things, you know, and help me instead of punish me for not working hard, even though I was working hard. But, you know, they would say, you're not working hard. Why aren't you focusing? You know, when you speak, why can't you put that on paper? You're not, you know, and so all of these different things that teachers used to say to me, because I would always be, you know, I would always raise my hand, especially when I was young, raise my hand and, and answer and give this wonderful, you know, answer. And they would be like, yes, what? No, everyone needs to answer like Juliet. Then I would do, a, you know, have to write. What, what's wrong with you? Why can't you write? What's, you know, doing this and stuff. So it is really interesting that you said that. And it, it's kind of those things that we build on. So my question to you is, where do you think that curiosity came from? Do you think it came from having, you know, immigrant parents and a whole different kind of life in your house that you just then came fascinated with what other people were doing? Or again, is it just something you think you were born with? Yeah. And again, it is a combination of the two. I believe that we all have these special gifts and talents that are deeply rooted in us from the time we're born. Absolutely. You know, like, you know, I believe in God and he Me too. creates us, right? So he creates us with these capabilities um, for a purpose. And mm -hmm. so I felt that early 
And I think I always say that in itself is a gift to be at such a young age to be able to detect that. Um, definitely a, a, a gift to be able to, to look at things differently and watch people and see the things that I can see in people. And, um, so I think that what it was is that, you know, it came early, it wasn't recognized. And then I spent, you know, time in my life just feeling devalued. Um, you know, through experiences that invalidate you and, I had to kind of recapture that, but with through it all, I'm grateful for the early development of it in simply the cultural differences. That was the thing that really allowed it to, for me to recognize it and to interact and in ways that would help to, um, to build that up. I mean, like you, I struggled with, um, a bit of dyslexia, um, as far as for, for me, it is writing and, and even just connection with language, communicating, I struggled. I was a natural introvert. I mean, there were just so many issues that kept me from communicating. So that's why watching was very, you know, very, um, a very, a very happy place for me, very comfortable place for me. Um, but I knew because of that innate gift inside that I was made for more. I was made to do more and I had to do more. Um, for me, if God put it in me, it is for me to use. So, um, you know, that's how it kind of all came about for me to start moving in that direction. I love that. And yeah, I mean, cause I just, actually, I just, I uh, was talking to someone and I just did a post on social media about, I do believe that we are born with innate confidence in cer- certain areas. And I was born walking and talking. I mean, really running and talking. So I used to, I was a born risk taker. I mean, I used to jump into things and I remember very significantly the time that I shrunk a little bit when, when, when it came to school. But then I remember learning about again, how I could connect with those teachers. And that's what I did. I watched those teachers. I figured out how can I, how can I get around things? How can I get out of things? But it was really interesting if I didn't, if I wasn't born with those innate confidence at an early age where I knew like athletics, I really Really was gifted in athletics. I was probably better than most of my peers where I was at the bottom of my class for education, but at the top for athletics. So it was, you know, I was always picked first in gym class. I was always, you know, the one I was faster than the boys, you know? So it was like one of those things when I was young, it was like, wow, you're so good at this. You're so lucky. But then I would look at class, you know, the teacher would be giving instruction and I'd be looking around being like, how is everyone taking their paper out and what are they doing? I don't, I don't understand. And I remember that very significantly not understanding and just sitting in class and looking around as school even got harder and harder and be like, this is crazy. How like, it's just a different language to me. Um, but because of that, where I, you know, I compensated and then got my, 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 my strengths really got even stronger because of my weakness. Yes. That is the key, right? The, the strengths, because it is, it is those things that catapult us to the next level, level. If we look at it as an opportunity, you know, like you say, and allow ourselves to use that opportunity to build on. So yeah, I love that you said that. And I mean, I also think, you know, I also talk about the failure stuff because I was failing so much that I really was like, 
it, it, it didn't make, I didn't even skip a beat. You know, my friends would be like, Oh, I got this on my, my test. You know, I always had the friends that are like, I failed that test. And I'm like, did you really fail the test? Because I got a 30 and they're like, Oh no, I got a, a 90. And I was like, right. Don't say you failed the test. Right. Unless you really failed. <laughs> and I remember like, I, you know, there was times where I was ashamed of it, but then I also had a really good group of friends. I had a, I was really fortunate that I had a really good group of friends that supported me because again, I was the leader on the, the athletic field. So it was like, okay. I mean, really, I probably was the dumb jock, which, you know, I, I had to really work hard to to get out of that and not be that. Um, you know, you hear that in men's world a lot, not so much in the female world, but but that's, I was the the fun one, the silly one, not the best in school, but, you know, I excelled in other areas. Um, but I, it was those things where it was like, okay, I, it, it doesn't matter. Like I'll start something if I dream about it and I'm excited about it, I'm going to explore it because I'm not worried about that failure because it is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's so powerful there because it's, we need the failure. We need to keep going in, in our seeking, right? Cause I feel like we're all just really just searching and seeking. Um, for me, it again, it's always still about type tapping into that innate superpowers. Like we all, I feel like we know we have it. And for me, I think it's why we're drawn to comics. So many people, like why the Marvel universe is such a big thing. Um, I feel like we are, we relate to it without realizing it. Um, it's the same reason why we love sports and these amazing athletes. Um, you know, even with the NFL, you know, you see these strong people and the, what they're able to do with their bodies. It's amazing. And, and I believe that the reality of what we are capable of mentally shows up in what we're capable of physically. And so what we're able to do with our bodies is really showing what we're capable of mentally. And so I think we're drawn to these things in certain areas um, because we're all seeking what that thing is in us. And then we often make the mistake of looking at someone else and say, oh, wow, look at look what they could accomplish. Oh, I can never do that. And then we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves uh, by saying, "Oh well, that they're they're special. This is you know they're they're special. That's why they can do this. I'm not capable of doing something." And all of those are things that you know we have to look at and be mindful of. I think these are the things that, as I went through my journey of really getting back to where I started, because I feel like, you know, I started in this place as a kid. I understood that there was this gift and talent. I saw that I'm like, oh, I'm paying, I'm, I'm fascinated with behavior. I wanted to be psych a psychologist. Oh, that got pushed aside, um, found, went through business, finance, started a financial coaching um, and investment firm, and then landed back in behavioral finance. And, and it's tied my passions for, for, you know, really when it comes to behavior and my passion for legacy building, um, to its core and bringing out this holistic, I was able to create, to fully embrace myself in my position in creating something different in creating something new in a time when this new thing is developing. Cause most people never heard of behavioral financial advisor, um, as a, you know, FINRA designation and most, cause there are not a lot of us out there, but I believe that the timing in which I am in this position is not by accident that everything I went through in my life was to prepare me 
for where I am now and who I'm here to serve. And I just love it. I mean, it's so, it also makes me smile so much when I'm connected through my podcast with people like yourself, because literally what you said, I'm sure my list, like the listeners right now are going, Oh my gosh, it sounds like, like this is Juliet's message. This is my message because it's so true. Everything that we have gone through builds us and, but we have to allow ourselves. There's so many people that limit themselves because of fear of failure, fear of like, I don't know what to do, stepping out of their comfort zone. Right. I mean, I find it a lot of times when I speak with men, it's like, okay, I'm making this money, but this is not where I was meant to be. So they're not truly happy in who they are. And they're so afraid to, to explore that. So what I always say is find that place that you can, I, I call it daydreaming because I don't call, I, I don't sit and meditate. I have to move. I cannot sit. If I sit, I think of the laundry and the dirty dishes and so I have to move. So I really challenge everyone and everyone that's listening right now, I want you guys to do this. I want you to find that space that you can go daydream and dream of what you always wanted because as kids, we dream. And there's a time that we stop that dreaming. And so that's one of the things I do with my clients. I really kind of dive into the, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, when you grew up, what was that thing? Because we all wanted to be something. And a lot of times, you know, yes, there's things that, you know, I think I wanted to be a doctor because I was fascinated with the human body. I loved that. Again, being dyslexic in school, not being easy. That wasn't my path. I probably could have done it, but it wasn't what God wanted me to do. God wants me to be doing what I'm doing right now. And so, but, but thinking about, okay, that's so interesting. The doctor part, what made it, but it was how people tick, what their bodies do, what their brains can do. So that was always been a fascination of mine. It sounds like very similar to you. It was. And the fact that you then kind of pivoted and were like, I'm going to take all my things together and really explore them. So I do want to take you back really quickly. So when you graduated college, what what was the like what was the career path there? And then when did the pivot happen? Yeah, sure. So I went in from college, even throughout college, um, I worked in my family's business. So my family uh, ran a uh, graphic design and sign company. So they did a lot of the signage for major communities, major uh, housing developers. And like even, you know, com- the community signs, when you go into a model, you see the display and all of that. That's what my parents did. And so I started there, you know, I was in the accounting department and handled the books. And so I was jumped right into the finance and I worked with my family. And I think during that time, that's when I really started exploring here. I am in this family business and I want to make sure that there's a legacy here. You know, I want to make sure that all that my parents have worked for, all that, uh, and not, and it's not just about finance. For me, legacy is so powerful. Um, for me, legacy means how other people will experience your existence. And that's what truly is. They can experience through, through finances, you know, what you leave behind for people. Um, that's the way your existence conti- continues. But tradition and, you know, all, there's so many way history, there's so much in which we can leave a legacy. So I became very fascinated with making sure, like, what is our legacy as a family? And through that process, started searching for more, more, more financial education. And that's really when the pivot happened. Um, it was a shift because one, I realized I didn't truly have the freedom that I wanted to do what was needed with the family business. And, you know, that's just how it is sometimes. And then 
there were some issues that ha- unfortunately it happened. My parents went through some issues with the business and then the great recession happened and that caused a big shift. And it was just during that shift that my brother and I started our business, started our firm and, you know, the financial education the coaching and really developing that. So it was a, it was a pivot that happened at not the best time, <laughs> but it was just what was needed um, to learn and to grow and all the challenges that came with that season, which was very challenging. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of loss. You know, there were things that happened. But again, it wasn't needed because I learned so much. I learned so much about people, about myself, um, what I can handle, what I am capable of. And again, and then learning from people during challenging times, the fears that the, the money fears that people have and they're going through. Um, I learned that head on. So it was a, it, yeah, that, I think the, the pivot came pretty quickly for me, but I had the time to learn from my family, run a business, learn how they ran a business. So then when it was time to shift, um, you know, my brother and I were able to do that. Um, through the challenges and then build and grow from there. I love that. And you know what I love also is that your parents obviously had that entrepreneur spirit. I mean, they, you know, and also coming over to a different country. I mean, that takes guts, right? So you know that there's like, you know, there's a fight in them. I, I always find it fascinating when I'm speaking with people and there is that Yes, my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My mom, you know, my dad, everyone, there was like a whole line of entrepreneurs and you just know, God, there's certain brains that work together. One of the things that, you know, I love that you got to be a part of the, um, your company got to be a part of the Super Bowl event we do on Thursday is when I speak with the NFL community and the women specifically, it's so fascinating to me how much each of them have this heart of giving. They all, every single human that I've talked to in that world are the most giving people. And I always say, again, God puts people together to be able to lift them up and be able to put them on a higher, you know, on a higher platform. I find with a lot of professional athletes, um, on both sides, the women and the men and, and, and kind of not just the NFL, but other organizations that I talk to, they are always, they were, when they were young, they were giving back. You know, it was like this whole thing of always giving back. And it's very interesting to me. So, you know, I think that's so beautiful how you watching your parents and learning what they went through and then going through what you just did, the way you explained that is so perfect because we can remember the recession, you and your brother going into business. We can picture that whole thing like, Oh my gosh, this is scary, but that's where you're learning the most in those hard times. Sometimes that's where we learn and then we grow. Yes, yes. And it's definitely needed. And, you know, and I, I love what you're saying, especially at the Super Bowl event. And my, you know, my, my partner was at that event and she raved about just the hearts and just how amazing those women are and um, just how lovely it, that environment was. And, it really was. Um, yeah, it really it, is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see, I saw, you know, saw the visuals and it looked amazing. And, and I think that's, like so many of us to our core that it is about, you know, God has kind of given instill that in all of us. There are things and ha- that happen in life, which misdirect that intention. But at the core of us, when we're able, when it is not misdirected, that heart to give is there in so many ways, so many ways. And it's just about tapping into what is the way that we can serve. Like finding that thing, like, and, and for me, you know, I help people identify their purpose for money. 
Like when it comes to money and money behavior, you know, it's money is the most powerful tool there is in order to help us to tap into our potential and in order to drive our purpose. Money is not the purpose. It is the engine to drive our purpose. And when we're able to understand, so what is our purpose for money? Then we can actually focus in on the purpose. And for me, my purpose for money is service, like servant leadership. That is what I'm here to do is to serve, support in various different ways. Um, as you read in my titles, the various titles that I have there, but they all connect in a true way. As I said, how I was able to bring my passions, my purpose, my values and tie together. And I feel, I believe in one form of who I am as, and I got this from Bob Proctor, God's highest form of creation. That's who I am. I'm not a behavioral financial advisor. I'm not a mindset coach. I'm not a flexibility coach. That Those aren't who I am. Those are identities that I've chosen to, to connect and tie myself to, just like I've tied myself to mother or business owner or sister, wife. I've tied my identity to these, these things, but those things are not who I am. I am one thing, God's highest form of creation. And I share that with all of humanity. And then from there, I can consciously decide my other identities so that if any of those go, I'm not lost in any of that but I'm always holding steadfast to who I am. That's so important. And it's so important also, I mean, with the community of the NFL and, and any kind of athletic community, because that's what they do their whole lives, right? The the men play and they play to a level. And then when they pivot out of the leagues, whatever league they're in, they lose their identity. Yes. And it is such a traumatic, hard time. And we talk about that on the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how strong your mind is you're going to go through something. And if you don't have that support system, if you don't have people rallying around that understand what you're going through, and if you don't talk about it, it's going to get you. I mean, you're going to have demons that are, you know, not, not good. So I love how you just kind of played that out. I would love to know, like if someone right now is like, okay, I feel like I need, you know, Marcella, what does, when a client comes to you or a potential client comes to you, how do you kind of explain? And I know you just did now, but a little bit more in depth, like, you know, if someone's like, okay, I'm sold, I want to be a client. What does that look Look like in the beginning stages for them? Yeah. So again, our, our purpose is to help people to develop the behavior to build their legacy. So we believe in a legacy pre-gaming approach. So, you know, the athletes could identify to that pre-gaming routine. We all have the different, these different ways before they're ready for the game. And I believe that we need to take that approach before we're ready to actually implement our legacy practices. Um, there's so much more or else you know, with, with that process, if we just look at things as, oh, I just want to leave an inheritance. This, you know, it's just all about money. Well, we've seen what money can do to people. You know, we're all aware of that. And you have to understand, well, why isn't money ruined? Some people, some, you know, especially when we have children and we want to make sure our kids aren't ruined by money, you know? So it's like, well, why is it some people able to thrive and why aren't others? And I believe that is because the preparation was set up so that they can thrive. And so what we do is we start off uh, with understanding your values. Uh, our holistic approach to financial planning and coaching is about understanding, like I said, your purpose for money and your values. 
And everything is built upon that. So whether it's a husband and wife coming to us, we're working with you with understanding first individual and then as a unit. What are you building this foundation on? And then from there, there's a process of coaching and educating so that you are like I like to call you, you are the chief financial officer of your household. You know, so many times people look at this industry and unfortunately, you know, they're all types. Uh, I, I like to consider myself a bit of a disruptor because I'm not a fan of the way things have always been done in this industry. And I think it needs to be shaken up. <laughs> I just do. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, enough attention had not been uh, placed on behavior before, but thank God, a lot of reports, a lot of research has been done that really shows how much our behavior truly impacts our financial future and, um, you know, our money traumas, everything that we've been through really needs to be faced before we can move forward with anything. So that is what we focus on. That is a huge part of it because we want to deal with what are the money restraints that are holding you back from achieving the financial confidence or financial sustainability for not just generational wealth, but multi-generational wealth. Because it's a different practice for just pass it down for one generation, then passing it down multiple generations. So it's about not just passing passing down money. It's about passing down the traditions. More importantly, it's about passing down the mindset, the intellectual assets that we so often forget about in in various ways. So, um, you know, without my whole family, you know, we created a family crest. And, and having my kids go through that process, um, they were young when we established that and then, um, going through their rite of passage and earning their right to wear that crest. It made a substantial difference in their mindset because of our need for belongingness. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like belonging. You have your basic needs, the physiological needs, and then you move up the ladder to health and the things that you, the basic needs. And then love and belongingness is so huge for us. This is why they're gangs. This is why, I mean, look, this is why that connection in the NFL, when these players are then no longer, they lose that connection, why it hurts so much. Because that's a really big part of a human need. And we want to tap into that when it comes to our children and making sure that they understand how much they belong to this family that you're in, that they're in, and they feel that. And so we work with people now to create that visual representation for their family in order to establish, okay, here's the, you know, here's the crest for the legacy. And it may seem trivial, but again, haven't experienced it and watching how my children moved through that experience from the time they were infants to now they're 25 and 24. And they 
like the the way they are attached, the way they they have pride in their family name, and kind of like in the old medieval days, right? It's like the family name. <laughs> so it's you know, there's a lot that goes into that, and that's the one that people really get excited about, which is why I named that, but why I, I brought that up for this conversation. But there is. Like my, my idea, what I really want is for people to understand that leaving a legacy is so much more than we, what we've been talking about and how we've been handling it. And if we can really understand all the ways in which other people can experience our existence, then we can become more creative, more innovative and not just, you know, in our family life. And professionally, we can think of ways, like our mind can expand on ways in which, oh, how can I, how can I allow other people to experience me now and when I'm long gone? No, I love that. No, I think it's beautiful. And I think people really got a sense of what you're doing with the company, how they can get involved. Is there anything, cause I, we're going to, in the beginning of this episode, you guys can go back and listen, but I also want to have Marcella kind of shout out again, where you hang out the most and where people can find you and what the best way for people to reach out to you is. Definitely want you to reach out to me. Um, just, you know, f- focusing on um, behavior. And I think the biggest thing I definitely want to leave with people understanding is that, you know, you, everything, every day is an opportunity to build your legacy. And it, the more intentional we are about every moment, every interaction, the more power we can leave in our footsteps you know, for someone to follow behind that. And it only helps others to see the power within themselves. So, and, and tying all of that, not compartmentalizing as you build and as you grow, whether it's in real estate or the, the various ways that we build wealth, um, especially like after your NFL career, but even in, and during it, the various things that we do, when you can truly find a tap into who you are and then take that and I'll take that along your wealth building journey and, and from, and moving forward, then there's so much power that can be there left behind that can be felt and can be seen. So, um, you can find me again at legacybuildergroup.com. And I would like people to tune in. I have a website, um, learnlegacybehavior.com where we always offer just education. Um, we do webinars and really tap more into our pre-gaming, legacy pre-gaming and just provide more mindset techniques. So um, learnlegacybehavior.com is where you can find me and I'm all over social media. I love to connect with people on social media. I feel like that's where we can really get to know each other. So um, you can find me, Marcella M. Williams on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those. So if you really just look up my name, because I have an unusual name, you can find me. <laughs> wonderful. Oh, Marcella, thank you so much for joining. I mean, this has been wonderful. I know that my listeners right now love it. And I tell them every single time, you might have been listening to this episode and saying, oh, that's interesting. I love the story. But you don't know who needs to hear this. You don't know who is in the market for some change. You don't know who needs the Legacy Builder group right now in their lives. So please share this with as many people as you can think of as you're listening to this. It is important because this is what this is what life's about. This is why I do this podcast. It's to host people like Marcella so she can share her story, so she can connect deeper with you because she has something that's going to be able to actually make your life better. So definitely rate, review, share. Thank you again, Marcella, so much.